0: Yo, what's up guys? Welcome back to the From the Sideline podcast with Francis and Peter. And today we're going to be discussing NBA offseason news, like the upcoming draft, and the recent trades that have been going on.
1: Uh, We might talk a little about the finals, so stay tuned for the whole episode. And thank you for listening. Let's get right into it. Alright, let's start off with this episode talking about the Bradley Beal trade to the Suns. From this deal, the Suns acquired Bradley Beal while the Wizards got Chris Paul, Landry Shaman,
0: and multiple second-round picks. Peter, who do you think won this trade? Uh, I definitely think that the Wizards won because I think their main goal of this really offseason in general was just to unload salary, and I think they did that like super well because uh, Bradley Beal had... Like I think three more years yet left on this deal, and it was a backloaded contract, so he was making upwards of or yeah four more years, and he was making upwards of fifty million dollars in each year per year. So unloading that salary is really mm-hmm. good for the Wizards' yeah. future. Yeah, I have to agree with Peter on this one. Um, for
1: me, it's not so much that the Wizards won this trade, which they did; like they got what they wanted out of this. Obviously, we could tell that Wizards are in full rebuild rebuild mode right now, trading away the two best players. But I think it was more of the Suns losing this trade because they pretty much just threw their whole season away for the next couple years, next couple seasons away because, I mean, they need to pay for Bradley Beal's contract for a couple more seasons now and Kevin Durant's contract and Devin Booker' new contract. Um, they traded away Chris Paul, which was good, but they just took on even more money uh, for a better player. But still, the reason that the Suns are so bad is because of their depth and... They lost even more depth with this trade because they're not even going to be able to get the only way they're going to get more depth is if they trade away Deandre Ayton, which means they'll have no big because Deandre Ayton is honestly one of the best bigs in the NBA and like like as like a rebounder and just like as a true big and they're not going to get a better big than him, which is going to be bad because they're a pretty small team. And so basically they're just running. They're just running back another Kevin Durant big three, and we've seen Kevin Durant with his big threes, and it's never worked in the past. Like that Nets team was so uh, underwhelming. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They didn't. They didn't even make it to the finals, which is really sad. So we've seen what Kevin Durant has done with big threes in the past, and I think it's going to happen again with Bradley Beal.
0: I agree, Francis. But what moves? Do you think the Suns could make that could improve their depth and could make them into a possible contender next year? Um, like I
1: said, DeAndre Ayton's the really only real trade piece right now, because the rest of their the rest of their uh, the rest of their team is just like pretty much bums. Like Josh Okogie is their starting small forward right now, and then you have like Torrey Craig and Cameron Payne coming off the bench, and they're all free agents too, so. Uh, there's a br- really big chance that you're not going to be able to resign all of them So I think you have to trade away deandre Ayton to to bring in some depth and then get a big along with it Because what are you really going to get out of joshikogi? But to answer your question, I don't even think any possible trades they can make will make them a finals contender next year I think their ceiling is Eastern Con- conference final hopeful like but that's really optimistic. I think they'll go to the second round as like a six seed or five seed or something. I don't really see them succeeding well. All right, we're going to move on from this one for a little bit. But we're in the same territory. Um, Another trade in the offseason that just happened. Uh, Porzingis was the headliner going to the Boston Celtics. And they also received two first-round picks from the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies received Marcus Smart, and the Wizards received Tyus Jones, Mike Muscala, Danilo Gallinari, and a second-round pick. So, Peter, who won this trade out of these three teams?
0: Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the Boston Celtics won. I mean, getting a star player like Porzingis and two firsts. Well, I mean, you gave up Marcus Smart, who was the defensive player of the year, but I think he's like pretty overrated because, I mean, he was the defensive player of the year, but I feel like it was a pretty weak year, and even since he's and even since then, he's regressed a little bit, and Porzingis will help. Get make their scoring attack better, and I think they just really won the trade.
1: Um, I agree that the Celtics won Marcus Smart. Uh, I think he has regressed, and I honestly don't even think he deserved that defensive player of the year. And their Celtics, the Celtics team is a very good defensive team, they have really good chemistry, which is why they win so much. Like, yeah, they have some star power, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown's very inconsistent. And Jason Tatum is Like do you really think He's the guy that will lead your team To NBA Finals win It's because their chemistry And how they move the ball And how they play defense And just communicate with each other Marcus Smart was a really Like he was really important part of this team But they're already a really good defensive team Without him too Like Derek White is a better ball handler And play maker than him And also like just shooter in general And finisher and he's also one of the best defensive guards in the league. And then like Jalen Brown, really good 3 and D guy. Tatum's good at D. Robert Williams, one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. Like they're a really good defensive team. So giving up Marcus Smart for Porzingis and two first round picks, really good deal for them. Again, the Wizards are just clearing some cap space, which is we we obviously see their motive here. So they're probably going to trade Chris Ball too. Um, but I think they're doing good. They're just basically doing what the Thunder have been doing lately. And the Grizzlies received Marcus Smart. Um, they gave up some picks, but they're already a really young team, and I do think they need to develop. And Marcus Smart can be that veteran for them. And they were a pretty high first round pick, so I think it's fine. But Marcus Smart can add some defense to this team because Dylan Brooks is probably not staying, and he was their only source of uh, front court or back court defense. So. I think it was good for the Grizzlies, too, but I think overall the Celtics won. Okay, Peter, I have another question for you. Do you think the Celtics, with this trade, are Eastern Conference Finals
0: favorites? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they are. They made the Finals two years ago, and they almost made the Finals this year. I feel like if their star players continue to get better, like Jalen Brown Jason Tatum, they're young and they'll continue to get better. I think the Heat are going to regress a little bit. They have a lot of really good role players, but... I mean, their team is aging, and I think it's only a matter of time. Also, the Grizzlies with Jaw having a suspension, and I mean, they gave up those first-round picks. The future might be a little rocky, so I feel like the Celtics are really just your surefire bet to be the finals favorite out of the East every year.
1: To me, I think it's really close for the Celtics, but... They've had a lot of recent success. Uh, I think they've made the Eastern Conference Finals every season since the bubble year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I just like... Their coaching is amazing. Their ownership is, and management is amazing. And then, like I said, their chemistry, the way they gel together is amazing. So even with the loss of Marcus Smart, but the addition of Kristaps Porzingis... Yeah, I think I, I would say they're Finals favorites over the Miami Heat. Because Miami Heat aren't really making moves. I thought if they got Bradley Beal, they would be the, the favorite for the Eastern Conference. But, you know, the Suns ultimately got him. Uh, they I need to see them make some big trades here, like, for another superstar kind of guard. Because they need some more guard play. Maybe even a forward. Um, but the Celtics... I think Chris Epps-Purzingis fits their system perfectly, and he can play power forward or center. He's really versatile wherever you want to play him. He's a great shooter. He can pop out, and he can also post up. I mean, he's more than seven feet tall. So Robert Williams is really injury-prone, and then their backup guys are, like, just not it. And their their big man play is really the reason why they're not the most dominant team in the NBA. So with the addition of Chris Asporzing, it's like I know he's been kind of a bust, but still... He's a still a great, great big man in the NBA today. So I think it's a perfect addition. And they also got two round picks on top of that. Like, even without the picks, I think they still would have won this trade. But they still got two picks. So, yeah, I would say they're the Eastern Conference favorites.
0: Moving on to some Draymond Green news recently. He recently declined his player option, so he's going to be a free agent this season. Francis, what do you think uh, this means for the Warriors going forward? <laughs>
1: <clears throat> well, obviously this is sort of the end of the, the dynasty because you know the big three in the dynasty Draymond, Clay, and Steph. Um Yeah, it's the end of the dynasty, but I don't think anybody's too sad because if you really watch the Warriors game, like <sighs> he added leadership, he added defense, great defender, no offense whatsoever. I'm gonna be honest with you, no offense whatsoever. Draymond Green Honestly, I think he was hurting the franchise because, I mean, he's, like, a couple years ago, he's great. Defensive player of the year. Actually is able to shoot, play, make, finish. But now he's old, slow. He's still a good defender, but. And also the leadership qualities are, like, I mean, he's starting fights with Jordan Poole, Kevin Durant. So I think it was good for the Warriors, honestly, and they can free up some cap space to get some, get some more role players for them. Draymond Green was a key piece of this rotation, but like, honestly, it's not gonna it's gonna help them more than hurt them. So I don't think Warriors fans or the players should be too sad about this. I'm I'm curious to see what team is gonna want to pick him up, but uh, yeah, it's the end of the dynasty, so. I'm so I don't even know why he would decline the player option because where else is he going to go? Like he might make more money on like a really bad team, but he's not going to have any success.
0: I agree. Um if I were him, I'd just retire right now because I don't know which team he could go to that he could actually be a meaningful piece on. I mean, he's I mean, as Francis said, he's a liability on defense or on offense and he's not the defender he used to be. So I don't know which team would take a chance on him. And even if he does join a team, it'd just be for like one or two years, and they wouldn't really pay him much money. So if I were him, I would just hang it up and call it a career. Now let's move on to talking about the upcoming NBA draft, which is tomorrow at the time of this recording. Uh, Let's go over our top fives and who we think is going to get, which player Francis want to set us off.
1: Uh it's pretty consensus now. Number one pick, San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wembenyama. It's not close right now. Um I mean you just can't pass up on the upside, man. Uh Victor Wembenyama has he's like he is the highest rated prospect, best prospect we've seen ever. Better than LeBron James. His length combined with his skill set, uh just like his overall build and all the things he can do, shooting, defense, playmaking, finishing, he like he's perfect. Like he's the height of Bull Bull, but he has the shooting ability of a guard, handles of a guard, and finishing of like Nikola Jokic and one of the, one of the best defenders in the NBA. So the only question is like is he able to stay on the court and not get injured because, you know, we've seen players like him with his build, with this much hype. They, the pressure goes to them, and it's really hard to stay on the court and stay healthy, which is why I think Scoot Henderson – I like Scoot Henderson more, but, you know, you can't pass up on Victor and so.
0: I agree, Francis. Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious pick, even if there are some – durability concerns second overall charlotte hornets i know a lot of people have been talking about brandon miller going to them because he's more of a scheme fit but i don't see how you can pass up on scoot henderson if it was any other draft i think he'd go first overall i mean he is a little undersized but i mean he has all the tools to become to become an elite guard in the nba uh this kind of reminds me of rj barrett being considered i mean i know he didn't But being considered to go over John Morant A couple years ago uh, Obviously John Morant was the better prospect But people thought R.J. Barrett could go number two Because it was a scheme fit And look how that worked out for the Grizzlies They just went with the best player available And now he's like the cornerstone of their franchise So I think the Hornets Even though they're a little stacked at the guard position I think that's a good problem to have And I think they should go ahead And select Scoot Henderson here
1: Well, if I was basing my draft off of, like, what I think they should do, I would agree. Scoot Henderson, like, he, to me, it's, like, not really close. Scoot Henderson is a better player than Brandon Miller. And, like, we've seen, we've seen Brandon Miller, like, with his off-the-court issues. You know, some stuff related to that, which I think could cause some issues in the NBA if he keeps it up, like, we, like, back to John Moran, like, we've seen John Moran in the NBA and, like, He just got himself suspended for 25 games, which is a big portion of the season. Um, So, yeah, that's really bad for the Grizzlies. And I don't know if I really want that on my team. But with all the articles I've been seeing, all the posts and stuff, the Hornets are pretty set on Brandon Miller. So there's not – I don't think there's much that's going to change their minds on Brandon Miller. And, yeah, he's a great player, but Scoot Henderson is a freak of nature. I, I would not pass up on him. Even number one, I would consider him over one, but like, I wouldn't actually take him. But yeah, Scoot Henderson, I would have going number two if I was the Hornets GM. But that's a great point made by Peter with the John Morant and RJ Barrett comparison there, I think. Uh, all right, next up, we got the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and like I said, like the realistically, the Hornets are going to take Brandon, Mil- Brandon Miller because they're already set on him. If if the articles are true, but um, that's really good for me as a Trailblazers fan. Scoot Henderson on the Trailblazers would be like amazing, especially if we're gonna trade away Damian Lillard. It would be amazing, and Anthony Simons. Like we're gonna lose a lot of our players. Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant. Like we can't keep on. We can't keep on to all of them. So Scoot Henderson is the future of our franchise. The like the combination of Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp, that's gonna be amazing for the Trailblazers. Like I said, he's a freak of nature. Gonna love him, but realistically, realistically, it's Scoot Henderson. But uh, if if Brandon Miller goes number two, or if Scoot Henderson goes number two, they're the two A two B. So whoever goes first, the next guy's gonna go second. So or third.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the top three are really set in stone. Um, In my personal opinion, I think, in order of the best actual prospects, I think it's Wembanyama, Henderson, and then Brandon Miller, but who knows. I think the Hornets might pick Miller because of a scheme fit, but I feel like it might come back to bite him. Um, Going to fourth overall to the Houston Rockets uh, and fifth overall to the uh, Detroit Pistons, I think it's going to be the Thompson Twins. I have a man Thompson going first and then a Sar Thompson going second. I feel like I mean yeah, oh yeah, fourth and fifth. um I feel like they're also two really good players. I mean, even coming from overtime elite playing great competition, uh I just feel like they're also a tier above the other players remaining, and I feel like they're just going to go back to back at 4 and 5.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's also consensus that like I think the top 4 consensus, I think Amen Thompson is locked for number 4 too. Me, I'm a really big OTE fan. Like I watched every game of OT last season, especially the playoffs. Like I was locked in in every game and every event. So I know how Amen and star play. Um this like the like, they're both not very good at shooting, like we've heard. Um, they're both great at defense. Asar won the MVP of the whole league, so... Uh, and they were all on the same team, so... Uh, they're, like... I would say they're both equally... They're both similar at every aspect of the game. I would say is a little better at defense. Amen's better at playmaking. But overall, they're pretty similar. Like, they're shooting. Their builds are obviously the same and, like, a lot of the skill sets are mostly the same, but Amens has shown that he can play at a more professional level. I think Amens' playmaking is so much better than Asar's playmaking that that, that's why everybody likes him more, because he can fit into a lot more schemes, and, like, offensively, Asar isn't going to... Give you what a men gives you, so I like a men over a star like everybody else. But then the fifth, I'm gonna go Anthony Black to the Pistons because I think that Anthony Black, uh, they need some guard play, but they also need bigs too. But I think Anthony Black is just the best player available here. Uh, like the mixture and combination of his size and speed as a guard. Plus, his playmaking and his defense, I think it's amazing, and I love him as a prospect at Arkansas, and I think that's who the Pistons should take here.
0: Uh, I agree, Francis. I do think that the Pistons should take Asar Thompson, because I believe he's the best player available, but I don't think it would be a horrible move to get someone like Anthony Black who can uh, contribute offense a little more than Asar Thompson probably could, because I mean, they're obviously lacking in that department, and they really need someone to just fill up the stat sheet, uh, because they don't really have a star player, a star offensive player at least, in their starting lineup, and I feel like they need to draft someone who has the potential to be that for them.
1: All right, thank you so much everybody for listening to this episode of From the Sideline with Francis and Peter.
0: Um don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and listen to all our other episodes if you haven't.
1: Yeah. Make sure you turn on that notification bell so you know get notified when a new episode's coming out. We were gonna talk about the NBA finals, but it's getting a little late. There's not much to talk about there anyway. Like the Nuggets dominated. Jokic is the best big man of all time, basically. Whoa. <laughs> best playmaking big man of all time. Yeah. Undoubtedly. And the Heat are not making the finals ever again. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. See you next time.